as much as we want our tech to be seamless and we'll keep up with the status quo, like we don't necessarily see ourselves as needing to be the most tech advanced workspaces. For us, it really is about supporting the businesses. And of course, tech plays into that, but there's so much more. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Chaos and Rocket Fuel, the Future of Work podcast. In this podcast, we look at every aspect of work in the future. When I say we, that's myself, Doug Folks, and Claire Haydar, the CEO of Pattern and Wonder. Claire, this is the third part of our conversation with, uh, with Gabby. She's the CEO and uh, co-founder of Huckletree. They're a co-working company. What are we talking about in this last section? Oh, this was my favorite part of the whole conversation, Doug. We're dreaming about the future office. I won't give too much away, but a lot of AR, VR, office bubbles, the metaverse. It was a fun conversation. It was a fun conversation. So let's, um, yeah, let's head on over and uh, see what Gabby has to say. Gabby, I think I'm most excited about this part of the conversation that we're going to have, because I think both you and I are dreamers. And we have big ideas about what the future office can be. So put on your nerd hat and tell us what's, what's in those wild dreams of yours when it comes to the future office. Where do I start? So I think there's a lot that you can do with wellness and with technology that can really kind of come into play. So in wellness, what am I thinking? I think that, and I know it's something that a lot of the developers are thinking about now, but like, you know, buildings that are coming online now, they really need to have like a well-being offering. If it's yoga studios, if it's Peloton suites in-house, we have them in all of our spaces and, you know, rolling those out into, into bigger developments that are coming online. If it's, you know, massage and therapy and and beauty stations within. So I think that like, is kind of goes without saying and is really the kind of base case of like what needs to be going into bigger buildings and the same with F&B. So good cafes, good restaurants, curated, independent, um, but, you know, a really strong offering of like good food and coffee. I think is really crucial. I'm talking about the big buildings where they have space for like these kind of multi, you know, lots of things going on, like a hub of activity within these buildings. And I love these ideas. Then I think that like, you know, the buildings and the offices, there needs to be like a really engaging events and social program. Like I was saying that we do within our hubs. I think that buildings need to have that. And we're definitely being approached by a lot of landlords and developers saying, hey, Tree, we want you. We don't just want you to take a floor. We also want you to come and put on programs for the whole building and bring all the members together so we could start thinking thinking about like a hundreds club just for the different tenants of the different businesses within a building or, you know, social events and activities, you know, Halloween, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, whatever it might be, like activating that for the building. So each building really becomes its own mini community. I think that's really important. What else? Technology. So I obviously like this, this is, I'm not even going to go into it because it goes without saying, but like all of the meeting rooms need to be just fully functional. You need to be able to like zoom in, zoom out, bring in team members from all around the world. And it needs to be easy because they're all, it's, I always find it complicated. It's never like a simple, you know, share your screen and bring colleagues in. I always find it complex. So that needs to be done seamlessly. And then like whiteboard rooms. Why isn't that a thing where we can go into rooms and like squiggle all our thoughts and like do mind maps. And like, you know, if you're building a new website, you should be able to go in and like 
design it all out, throw out your mind kind of onto a whiteboard and then press a button and it scans it and it sends the whole thing to your email. Like this is the kind of stuff that I want to be more mainstream. Then I think like libraries and classrooms and learning spaces and, you know, places where we can really come together and maybe take like an hour outside of our working day and, and zoom into a workshop or, you know, a learning opportunity or a course or, or a program or something, but space dedicated for that. I don't know. There's lots of stuff. What do you what do you have in your mind? I think I'll start with the tech piece and I really want to dig into this one with you because you made such a good point there is it has to be easy. In my mind, I feel that the future office is essentially going to be a space that it's almost like a bubble that we're going to be able to create around ourselves. You know what I mean? Where you can like with VR and AR and that type of thing, basically create a bubble around yourself, bring your little SWAT team that you need to work with in that hour or those next two hours into that bubble with you and work there. That bubble should be able to form anywhere around you at any given point in time, you know, and then you can like disperse the bubble and go about your day again. A question back at you is how are you guys at Huckle Tree making that tech easy right now? Because what I've just described that like bubble reality doesn't exist yet. The tech isn't there yet. It's getting there. And there's some really exciting companies playing in that space, but it's not there yet. What are you guys doing to make it as easy as possible right now? So we haven't nailed this at all, but we are getting better and finding out the pieces of tech that work for us. We have Zoom rooms in our meeting rooms. So the kind of, you know, TV screens that are set up for Zoom that you can just kind of dial into a meeting straight into, you know, whether you're in the room or not. I think those are quite easy and seamless, but you're right. There is so much more that can be done that I'm really excited to see and don't yet know what that looks like. I think you are much more in the know of that than I am, it sounds. <laughs> like but it sounds yeah. really cool my little technical question is more i mean potential competitors i mean obviously we have everyone's talking about the metaverse at the moment you spoke about having a bubble there i read today that bill gates says that just about every meeting will take place in the metaverse within three years obviously that's something that you would need to, to bring in you can't see it as a as a competitor is that tech too too new at the moment no, I think there's always a benefit in kind of pioneering something and doing it first and having it as your, we always call it like a swimming pool, even if people don't necessarily use it the whole time. It's just great to know that it's there because it's really cool. But I think this kind of stuff and, you know, you can imagine that over the years, there've been lots of conversations where we've thought, do we do this? You know, will people really use it? It's an investment. And we've always erred on the side of let's wait and see. And, you know, our thing is as much as we want our tech to be seamless and we'll keep up with the status quo, like we don't necessarily see ourselves as needing to be the most tech advanced workspaces for us. It really is about supporting the businesses. And of course, tech plays into that, but there's so much more that does that as well. So I think mm -hmm. it's really cool. I mean, I, yesterday I saw an Instagram post on like, what would meetings look like when they take place in the metaverse actually. And heaven. I mean, I'm down, but I think that it's, we're probably a bit of a time away for us at Huckletree to be building that into our meeting rooms. We're just trying to like get to grips with the Zoom rooms right now and like figure that all out. But but I'm excited to to be there in a few years time. That's cool that Bill Gates, that Bill Gates thinks that. I hope he's right. The other thing that I often think about as well is, and I think the pandemic has really solidified this in our beings as humans, is that we can't keep sitting the way we are. 
we weren't feeling the pain in our bodies before the pandemic because there was still enough movement, like just barely enough in the actual physical spaces that we were occupying. Yes, I'm sitting too much, but it's it's okay. I'm still moving enough to kind of like justify it. Whereas the pandemic has really showed us that we're not moving enough and it's actually making us sick. And I think for me, with that reality that we're facing and that we're going to have to solve, I think one of the things that I often think about is cars and other forms of transport as forms of offices. So like you spoke about, I justify the commute because the experience that I have that I get to at the other side of the commute, you know, makes it worthwhile. Why don't we make the commute worthwhile? Why isn't the commute part of the experience? And I think that's something that often plays in my mind as well is interestingly enough, um, there's a a coffee shop just up the road from our house that is kind of like our family favorite coffee shop. And one day we were sitting there with my little girl And we just like literally started doing like an innovation, like a design thinking exercise with her. She didn't realize that we were doing it, but that's essentially what my husband and I were doing with her. And she designed an Uber, but it was a coffee shop. And so she, she said, you know how we always catch Ubers? I'd like that. I'd like that to be my office. And I'd like the inside to feel like a coffee shop. I don't want it to feel like an Uber. You know, I think that's also something that, which you beg on Gabby, it's like, Instead of work just being an experience that we go to, how do we make all of life, you know, an experience where work can be done? And I think that's part of what makes the metaverse powerful. As you say, we're still definitely a few years off from that. But I think, you know, Bill Gates is aggressive in saying, I think the very, very early adopters will be there in three years, but I don't think it will be at mass adoption point yet. You know, how do we merge experience across more than just the separate thing? these silos of our lives but also like let it not take over our lives completely because I also feel like there's a whole movement towards like you say like better well-being and within that becomes greater balance and just not making ourselves sick to kind of get our jobs done and to succeed in life like I think you know there's a part of me that is so drawn in by the metaverse and literally wants to be there and then there's another part that just is like whoa I actually think that we need to take a step back and just be be present, be in the real real world, go to work, make meaningful connections, enjoy, feel like we're doing something that actually gives back to the world, but it doesn't have to take over our lives. So it's a, it's, yeah, I'm not quite sure which, which route to go down. Just moving away from the metaverse for a second, other elements of the future of work are very much around We've spoken about having more flexible work. So work fits around you rather than you fitting into work. Obviously, the collaborative aspects you've spoken about at length with what you're doing with the Hundreds Club, et cetera. And then there's also the whole movement, people going to work less, like a four-day week being piloted around the world. What's your sort of take on that where people are trying to do almost less work or do their work more specifically around them? How does co-working fit in with that? In a very funny way, the less people work, the better it is for co-working. Because, (laughs) (laughs) and that's what we've seen with this hybrid thing, because all of a sudden, you know, a company of 
300 people that previously we couldn't fit into any of our hubs, all of a sudden we can do that really easily because they're not all in every day. So I kind of apply the same logic to the four day working week. And it's just, you know, fewer people in on any given day and you know more potential to attract bigger businesses and have more members sharing the space. It's fine. I think like speaking more philosophically, what do I think about it? Funnily enough, this is something that my six-year-old son designed because a few weeks ago he turned around to me and said, mom, why can't I only go into school four days a week and have a three-day weekend? (laughs) 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 I think that I would love to have a three-day weekend and a four-day working week. You know, I don't, I just, you do sometimes feel that the weekend comes by, goes by so fast and all of a sudden it's Monday and you're back in the grind. And did you have enough time with your family? And do you get time to life admin and doctor's appointments and see your loved ones and see your grandparents? And I just, I love working hard, don't get me wrong. And I love the concept of putting something out there in the world that has meaning, but I also am not so into the, we have to work like dogs all of our lives and we won't be compensated enough if we don't. Like, I think that there has to be a balance. So I like, I like the concept of the three day working week. I don't think it's a bad thing. And I think it leaves us time to pursue other interests and hobbies that could then, you know, take more meaningful space in our lives. So I actually started probably September last year, only working four days. That was mainly because A, I work for myself and and at my sort of advanced stage in my career, I just thought, bugger it, you know, why should I work five days? And I can certainly do productively what I can do in five days in four days. And so, yeah, so I now have a three-day weekend, which is great. I think that's amazing. We apply the same logic at Huckletree. So for our employees, when they come back from parental leave, we give them, if they're primary caregivers, we give them a, f- a four-day working week on full pay until their baby turns one. So in my instance, I would take like four months mat leave at a time, but then I would come back for another, what, eight months and have a four-day working week. And I loved it. It's just such meaningful time with your newborn. Otherwise, you kind of leave the baby at home, you rush back to work, and you really hardly see them other than the weekends. And it's that's really tough as a new parent, emotionally really, really tough. And I totally agree with you, Doug, like everyone that we have ever offered that to, and I did it myself, you know when you're trying to be efficient, that you are much more efficient. And that's the bottom line. So, yeah. Yeah, so Gabby, we're actually, there's a whole huge global pilot that we're part of as a company, that we're starting a four-day working week in the, in the company this year. Yeah, so we all, we're all we kicking it off now in February. It starts in February and then there's going to be like a pilot stage and then we're going to move on to, into like a full-fledged. I'm so excited. I saw this during the pandemic because we actually made a decision to give our team an extra week off in January and an extra week off in June just as a gift. And it was literally just, I as a founder was like, I need to just sit and like catch up on insurance and paperwork and admin. And, and I was like, if I'm feeling this way, like every other person in the company must be feeling this way. That was where I went to Tracy, my co-founder. And I said to her, let's just gift this to the team, you know, and let them just do life, you know, Mm. and not have to have that eat away into the weekend, as you say. So I'm genuinely excited. I think as a whole, we will be more productive. That's amazing. And you you have like a rotor system so that, you know, it kind of is optimized. Yes, yeah, so you've got, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so your, your customer coverage is there and, you know, so you, not in any way, I mean, productivity is not dropping, everything like that stays as it is, but people just have better work-life balance as a result. 
Gabby, thank you so much for coming on today. I just really enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, just thank you for showing up and just being your wholesome, true self. And it's very obvious that you're passionate about what you do and you love what you do, even though it's been a seriously challenging set of months that you've just put behind you. Yeah, thank you. I, I do. I do love it. And I feel very very privileged. I think just over the last 10 years, the people that I've met have made it worthwhile and the people that have become my friends and that I've worked with that I may, ne may, may never have met otherwise. So I love it. And yeah, thank you for inviting me on here. It was a, it was a great chat. Yes. Thank you, Gabby. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Doug. And that brings us to the end of episode 61 and our deep dive into the co-working space with Gabriella Hersham. If you found this podcast of value, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Catch us on Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts, or on Wonders website, wndyr.com. And so from Claire and myself, bye for now. <laughs>